What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition, the 60-something edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jake. And a lot to get into today. Uh, first, how are you, Jake? How's everything? Um, how much basketball you've been watching or how have you enjoyed the NBA over the past week or so? Yeah, it's it's been interesting to say the least, and we'll get into that later uh, with the postponement of games. But there's, I've been watching a little bit. I mean, I, I should say somewhat. Um, it's hard to gauge with a lot of guys being. You have to sort of pick and choose what games you want to watch depending on the the rotations and uh, who's playing that night. So there's just so many different factors that go into a season like this, and. It really makes you question the legitimacy of this season, whether you want to count a champion and hold them in terms of the, the valueness of that um, or the valuableness of that, that championship. It really just takes everything into consideration. If, uh, but again, we'll get into that later with, with everything that's going on with um, Memphis yeah, well, and it, all these other teams. Yeah, it's an interesting argument, and I know we're going to talk about the Wizards, talk about the Grizzlies, um, especially the Wizards because of their post movements and everything we'll get into in a, a little bit. But yeah, no, definitely um, a lot of teams that are just, uh, you would think be, you know, the Heat, the Raptors, uh, some other teams who just um, got off to slower starts either because they've been affected and they just haven't been healthy and stuff. Um, a team that is healthy and is the new talk and we basically we talked about them all last episode the brooklyn nets um they finally got their big three Kyrie, kd and um james harden played on wednesday night uh and they lost to the cleveland cavaliers in double overtime 147 135 um kd played like 50 minutes in that game uh James Harden played also 50 minutes. Kyrie played 48 minutes. Um, and kind of a surprising loss, especially to Cleveland. I know Colin Sexton kind of, he's been amazing this season. And I want to talk about him as we talk about the Nets also, because he's just been, I mean, I think this is really his coming out party uh, this season and how well he's been playing. And also the Cavs, I mean, uh, been playing uh, pretty well. Um, they're, they just beat the Nets two games in a row, obviously the last game. Uh, which was last night, Friday night. Uh, the Nets sat Kevin Durant with them tonight being Saturday uh, on a back-to-back playing the Miami Heat. Um, but I, I do want to dive into the Nets. And before I let you go, uh, or before when I, before I ask you the question that I want to ask you, I want to preface it because on Wednesday night when, you know, the only game that the three uh, – players that played together, uh, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, um, a lot of questions about, you know, who's going to handle the ball, how many shots, and Kyrie, I think, took twice as many shots as James Harden. Um, Kevin Durant did his thing, putting 38, 12, and 8. Um, is there concern for this team? I know because, you know, after two games of KD and James playing together, they, they won or whatever, they looked pretty good. And and also, and I'll give my answer, obviously, after you, but you have any concern about this team? Obviously, they've given up 122, 125, 147, and 125 since James Harden's been on the team. Uh, how much concern do you have for this team, if any at all? Yeah, uh, I'm going to take, like, a 
tiny bit of concern. I'm not going to overreact too much. Um, I think it's been four games. Like you said, they had, I want to say there was one game, the second uh, Cleveland game where it was just Kyrie and uh, Harden. And then uh, that first Cleveland game was all three of them. That was the only game that we've seen all three of them uh, in the previous two had just been Kyrie or, or excuse me, Harden and KD. So uh, we haven't seen too much of, all three of them play together. And when they did, they scored the highest of any of the four games that we've seen after this James Harden trade. Um, but 147 is concerning. Um, I think you have to look at um, definitely. I think one of my problems with this, with this Nets team, and again, it's, it comes with everything that, that is James Harden and that is James Harden, Kyrie and KD. It, it's just going to happen where, you're going to struggle against especially bigs. I think in the post, well, I'm going to say two things. Obviously, defense overall, but specifically the guards and definitely post-defense, I've seen them struggle against Vucevic, uh, their first game. Um, you know, he was getting whatever he wanted, kind of. Uh, and then, again, you're going to struggle against guys like AD, um, DeAndre Jordan, or Again, because KD is going to be on LeBron, so I don't know who's guarding uh, AD. Uh, so that, again, that's why I think if they get to the finals, I think the Lakers come out on top still, because um, I just don't see anyone guarding AD. You have Jokic, who's averaging a triple-double, and he's um, super efficient right now, looking like uh, a top MVP candidate. If you have to guard him, there's just so many different bigs in this even, league. That, even, even tonight, I think, and it'll be interesting to see, uh, with them playing the Heat the next two games, and the Heat don't look well at all, I, I kind of also want to get into them a little, if if possible, at the end of the episode. But even tonight, guarding Bam uh, as a big, because they play no defense, and I don't know if they have anyone to um, stop Bam. Yeah, and, and not to mention Kendrick Nunn, who's on his streak these past couple games. If you know he gets a career high, I don't know. I mean, Colin Sexton with 42 points the other night um, for the Cavs, so... And then I also wanted to bring up, alluding to um, the guard uh, defense, and just with James Harden and Kyrie out there, the struggle, I, I think, I said this before, I'm thinking to myself that not this season with the Warriors, obviously you don't have Clay there, but against Steph and Clay when they're back and they face this team, I think it's, it's a wrap, really. I, I, I don't see Harden and Kyrie being able to guard guys like that. And especially Colin Sexton, with, with all due respect, I mean, he's in his third year. Um, he's improved every year. When you talk about even tonight against the Miami Heat, having to go up against an uh, experienced vet like Drogic, who knows what's, what's, how big of a threat that's going to pose to the Nets defense. You have a backcourt like Damon CJ. Um, you go down the line, I mean, there's just a bunch of different uh, guard combinations that'll give the Nets a, a, a real problem. Um, and that's definitely something to, to be concerned about. I think it's more defense than anything. Uh, you're going to have games. It's just inevitable that you're going to have games where you score a lot. Like I said, I think they're going to have to score where they're bound to score 130 plus points a game. Um, and they did that against the Cavs in that, in that game where they um, were all three of them played, but uh, again, they got outscored, and the defense, you have to weigh both sides of the equation, the defense and the offense, and uh, again, it's 
it's going to be a problem if if teams are scoring 147 points against them. I don't think that'll happen every game, so I'm not going to overreact, but uh, it's a real problem. I will say this, though. I think that over anything, um, I said this before the trade, offensively, um, they're a huge problem, and you have to worry about them, obviously. Um, but I said this even before the trade. I think, uh, again, Joe Harris has had his, his spotlights, uh, games where he, he's been good um, with this trade, but he's going to be a, a, a beneficiary of this trade, a big beneficiary. He might be the biggest winner because whether Harden went to Miami with Duncan Robinson, uh, the 76ers with guys like uh, Seth Curry who could shoot the hell out of the ball, um, those guys would be big beneficiaries, and I think him on the Nets gives Joe Harris a big green light. Well, I I don't want to overreact too much because, to me, you you we can't judge this team until playoff time comes because to me they should be in the finals uh, with the talent, just the three guys alone, um, James, Kyrie, and KD. Um, they should be. I mean, there's no better talent in my opinion in the Eastern Conference, and that's why you can't judge them. But a big thing to me. That stands out is um, since Kyrie Irving's been back, the shot attempts that Kyrie is taking compared to James Harden. James Harden is taking about 14 shot attempts a game since Kyrie's been back in these two games versus Cleveland, and Kyrie's taking 28 and 24. Um, to me, that's just it, it's way too much. Uh, and he, um, I don't know. It's just I, I think those rules need to be reversed. I think. James Harden needs to be taking 24, 25, 26 field goals attempts a game for, compared to Kyrie, no? Uh, yeah, I, I think the – I don't know. I, it's however you want to go about it. I mean, again, it's, it's four games. Um, they're still trying to figure um, their offensive schemes, defensive schemes, everything. In between, they're trying to figure that out. Even Steve Nash has, has addressed that as a first-year head coach. So there's – I will say this. I think adding Kyrie in the mix um, is definitely – like I mentioned last episode, it's definitely something that is a deal-breaker because I think Harden and KD can work well off of each other. I watched the first game against the Magic, and they look good together, um, Harden and KD. I think that, again – People yeah. talk about the off-ball movement, but in reality, how much, how much do you really have to move off the ball when you have two guys who can play well uh, in isolation? I mean, there's times well, where KD gets the ball and, and Harden's just I, sitting on the perimeter. I, how much do you have to move? I don't think KD or James Harden is going to be the problem. I think it's going to be – this whole team will depend on Kyrie Irving and how he – goes about this because even before the season you know on the instagram live or whatever him and katie and Kyrie's trying to negotiate oh let me get you know eight post-ups a night and katie's like well you know he was trying to be nice and you know they're on live together but he's like well you know we'll talk about that he's like no no, no i need to get eight uh, you know and i was you in my past life and all of this and and you know Kyrie, he's been you know dealing it seems like with some stuff being out for what seven eight games just coming back the past two but to me, him taking 24 shot attempts a game is not good, and and, and James Harden taking you know half of that is not going to do. Um, they, I think also, and I heard this from Kendrick Perkins, and I don't agree with a lot with 
Kendrick Perkins, but this might have been the smartest thing he's ever said, is having Kyrie, you know, obviously Kyrie's going to start, James is going to start, Katie's going to start, but bringing Kyrie out of, around the eight-minute mark in the in the first quarter um, and then bringing him back in with the second unit and letting him run that second unit uh, almost um, so that way he can get his, you know, offensive rhythm going and let James and KD stay with that first unit kind of um, because I, I, <laughs> I feel like as much as Kyrie is a team player, I feel like um, he's going to do whatever he thinks is best. And to me, just, you know, listening to him and watching him, I don't know if it's best for the team, what, what he thinks is best. I mean, even before the season, you know, post-ups and all this and, oh, I need this many and that, you know, I, I know he just posted something on Instagram actually um, right before we came on the pod and I'll quote him. He says, quote on his Instagram story, we will be on that stage, the stage where the best of the best meet, you know, the main stage where those who can do and those who cannot talk about those that are doing. If you were rolling with us, great, let's rock. If not, you know you want to talk about our greatness anyway. Um, listen, the guy's different. I think, though, he's the going to be the main issue. And if he can't you know, buy in to what's going on, I don't know. I agree. I think, as I said before, I think, I think we're on the same page about Kyrie. It's, he's the one that's going to have to buy in. Um, I think... Again, all three of those guys are three-level scorers. They can get their shot um, really anywhere around the court, I guess, except or they can even shoot from half court. It doesn't matter. Um, but, again, it's, it comes down to who wants to buy in. I think Kyrie is going to have to be that guy. Uh, I'm surprised there hasn't been as, as much uh, media attention already uh, with uh, this team. But I think uh, later down the line, I think that there might be some stuff that comes up. We'll just have to see. But overall, I, I think that, again, in the two games I, I saw Harden and KD, they look good together. Uh, it's adding that third piece. And then also that last game against Cleveland, I think, um, was something to look at as well because you didn't have KD in there and they – you know, and they struggled yet again. I think that having Katie in the lineup is is obviously huge, and I think without him, uh, uh, they're going to struggle. Of course, like I said before, with um, with post matchups, uh, and again, the Cavs are a great team that have great bigs. Um, they just acquired Jared Allen, who played his former team, and he's been playing well. So uh, they're going to struggle against. Uh, I, I think that's going to that's going to. Losing Jared Allen, and I, I saw a report saying, you know, they would have rather traded. I forget who they would have rather traded than uh, Jared Allen. There was someone else they were trying to, or they were trying to flip someone for a first um, instead of trading Jared Allen, and Jared Allen had to go in order to get the trade done. But I think losing him is going to be a big, big loss for this team down the stretch because um, really your only reliable big on this team is DeAndre Jordan. Uh, besides that, I don't know who else. I know last night they started basically James Harden at the four. I know KD wasn't playing. Um, but I mean, that just shows you, I don't know, to, to me, I'm not overreacting. I, we can't judge this team until come playoff time. I think, I think no matter what goes on right now, they're nine and eight. It is what it is, but I think there's some, there's some flaws. And also we need to look at, uh, Steve Nash and, and, you know, he's first year head coach, obviously he has Mike D'Antoni on his staff. He has some experienced guys on his staff, 
who can help him, but he's going to need to figure out a rotation that can benefit Kyrie, James, and KD um, for the benefit of the team and the best of the team because um, right now, I don't know, obviously they go against the Heat the next two games. You can't really judge these next two games. The Heat are not healthy. They, Without Tyler Hero, without James Hart, uh, Jimmy Butler, excuse me, uh, without Avery Bradley, um, and they're not playing good basketball at all right now, the Heat. Um, but I think you can judge based on, you know, Bam and, and the stuff he's going to be able to do, especially him being a number one option right now on this Heat team, uh, and how DeAndre Jordan matches up, or do they put KD on it? You know, like what what the matchups are, um, because I think defensively, I mean, they're going to be able to score with the best of them, but when you're giving up 120-something points a night, 130-something points a night, you know, you have one off night, and obviously they have three super, super offensive players, and James, uh, Kyrie, and KD, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> to me, I, I said this when the trade happened, I, I don't know if this team will work the way everyone thinks it will. Um, but any last thoughts before we uh, move on? Yeah, I'd only say this. It'd be interesting to see how long it takes or if it ever happens where they allow less than 100 points. Um, I don't know if that'll happen throughout the whole season. Never. But we'll I mean, see. Okay, that that I I can't because I mean I think the best defensive team scoring team in the league right now is the Knicks actually and then shout out to the Knicks I know we haven't talked about them a lot Tom Thibodeau has that team playing great their uh, their average that they're giving up is 102 and today's NBA everyone's going to score over 100 points me I think that number is around 120 can they hold teams under 120 115 points a night um, and and you know come late in games when it's a close game, you know that they're going to be able to score a bucket, but can they stop them on the other end? Um, and, you know, Colin Sexton's becoming a really, really good player, but when you have Colin Sexton putting up 42 on you, I don't know. There's uh, there's some concern there for me uh, defensively. Um, I want to go to, because actually it kind of relates, um, Shaq, Charles Barkley, Kenny the Jet Smith, Ernie Johnson, inside the NBA crew, um, especially Shaq and Charles. Uh, and this has always been going on. Uh, kind of, they'll throw shade at current players and stuff. Um, just, I know Shaq has been on Rudy Gobert for getting that $200 million contract. Basically, Shaq saying, you know, if he can get $200 million, anyone can. Um, the other night, um, Shaq basically said that uh, Donovan Mitchell can't be a number one scoring option on a championship level team. And then in a post game interview told it to him in his face and Donovan Mitchell was like, I like, what, what do you want me to say back? And, um, he's, you know, a lot of players have been just saying, you know, the old heads have been, you know, just throwing hate at them. Um, do you think it's hate or do you think, you know, they're, uh, do you think it's hate jealousy or, or do you think, you know, it's just facts what Shaq and Charles are saying about certain, some of these players? I, I think it's probably – I think LeBron had said about soft hating. I, I think it's soft hating. Um, it's, it's very mild um, motivation. Uh, it's definitely on purpose, and I think Shaq even quoted that he said it on purpose. But I don't know. I, I want to side with the players on this just because uh, I, I think that, especially Donovan Mitchell, um, again, I, I think that – when you have Donovan Mitchell comes in for Gordon Hayward when Gordon Hayward left, and again, Gordon Hayward made them a competitive team. Um, I think where you have like 
big shoes to fill. I think Donovan Mitchell has, has filled those shoes. Again, they're not a championship contender, but they're a top seed this year. Um, even going back to the last year in the bubble, you see him dropping 50 points, uh, 50 point games along with Jamal Murray. And I think that's the type of motivation that I think they, they should, they should get and not necessarily the motivation from retired NBA players. We all know that Shaq, uh, was one of the most dominant uh, players of all time, one of the best centers of all time, four-time NBA champion, three-peat with the Lakers, 15-time All-Star. You can go on and on. Um, so he has the, he has the cred- credentials to, to talk. But with Donovan Mitchell, uh, again, it speaks for itself. He had that great, those great bubble performances. Um, and then you have the Jazz, who are off to a really hot start, 11-4 uh, this season. Um, and they've won four, uh, excuse me, seven straight. Um, and I think that if you look at that, um, it, it's kind of a bad, bad time too to bring up that just because they have that winning streak. He go, goes out, gets 36 points. Um, I believe he had seven boards. Uh, I don't have the exact stats, um, but 36 points. I mean, again, a great performance against a, a Pelicans team that's not, that's not too bad. Um, and again, I, I think it's a, the wrong time to bring it up. But of course, you have the uh, the comedic uh, inside the NBA uh, crew there and you have TV ratings and all that jazz. So, again, I, I get it. Um, but then again, I, I think that it's not the right time to do it. And also it was just, I don't know, a really bad moment to do it. Um, but he has the credentials in order to talk. I get it. But again, when you have a guy improving every single year, um, he's only 24, one-time yeah. All-Star, and he has more to come. So we'll see. It's interesting because it's it, earlier in the day, Shaq was uh, on first take. He was a guest. Uh, he was promoting one of his 75,000 brands that he's uh, partnered up with. And they asked him before he even made this Donovan Mitchell comment because, you know, he's been throwing shade at a lot of guys, um, even going back all the way to JaVale McGee uh, many years ago, um, Dwight Howard, you know, a lot, a lot of especially bigs he'll throw shade at. And, you know, he, he basically said, you know, I'm not a yes man, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it how it is. And it's not to me, I'm not hating. I'm just, you know, giving my constructive criticism to these guys and that I respected. Um, I think a little bit of it, it is is hate and jealousy. Um, to me, you look at this, and, and especially with the Rudy Gobert um, two hundred million dollar contract, that was because of Shaq. You know, you look back, it's like when Shaq played. He obviously he wasn't making that money, um, but it's like I look at it. You know, you go back all the way to the forties and fifties and sixties with Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, uh, guys like that, and you go into the seventies, eighties with Dr. J. Uh, guys like that, and then Bird, Magic in the 80s and 90s, uh, MJ, and then you go into early 2000s with Kobe and Shaq, you know, all of those guys, you know, walk and walk so that way, you know, these guys nowadays can run and, and get paid as much as they can do, if you understand that analogy. Um, and, you know, I understand, you know, obviously Rudy Gobert, not the most gifted offensive player, but defensively, I mean, multiple-time defensive player of the year, a monster on the glass and stuff. Um I don't know. It's it's kind of like, <laughs> to me, I agree that it's kind of hate, but also at the same time, it's like nowadays in the NBA, you see how soft some of these guys are. Um, 
and I'm not saying Donovan Mitchell or, or anyone specifically, but I'm just saying in general, um, everyone, you know, needs to be nice and buddy, buddy, uh, with people. Even I know he went at James Harden and then Dwayne Wade, you know, complimented James Harden for, for uh, getting what he wants and, and being happy. And, you know, James says, you know, James replied to Dwayne basically saying, yeah, you know, we need to uplift each other and not, uh, degrade each other. I, I think it it comes in in today's uh ter- in today's age also in territory. It's just like you need to be so positive with people, and and people nowadays don't know how to take criticism. Um, so I think you, I look at it from both sides, and I understand both sides of it. Um, but that that's what Shaq and Char- and Charles Barkley get paid to do. They get paid to to make headlining quotes. Um, they say what's on their mind, and that that's what's great. That's why I love that show because they're funny and and um, they'll say what's on their mind. Um, but at the same, you know, also Donovan Mitchell, he hasn't done anything to prove that he, you know, kind of can lead a team to a championship, but we don't know. It's just like last year, you look at, you know, pe- people saying, oh, Jimmy Butler can't lead a team to a championship. And he was two games away from doing it. And, and he put up, you know, historic finals numbers, um, and the two wins that he'd had. So you never know. I mean, the, the jazz are playing great, great basketball right now. They've kind of them, the Clippers and the Lakers have kind of separated themselves in the West as, you know, the three best teams right now. And, um, listen, (laughs) Shaq and and Charles are not going to stop doing what they're doing just because, you know, LeBron and and even, I think Kevin Durant said, you know, uh, Charles Barkley shouldn't even be on television. No one should care what he thinks. Like you said, and I know, uh, Shaq and and Charles have said this, you know, that in their minds, they have qualifications to say whatever they want because they have done and they have been the best of the best and they've been the best in the world, uh, best player in the world in their time, um, arguably. So. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, any anything else to say? I mean, I, there's a, I, I could say so much more, but it's just like uh, I would be going in circles. Yeah, I think with as far as backing up Shaq and these analysts, um, not not all analysts, but the the ones that have the most credit with you have Shaq and well, Charles I, and all those the, guys. Well, real quick, because there's a difference. I think there's a difference between someone like Stephen A. Smith or Max Kellerman, um, Colin Cowherd, guys like that who've never played the game. And then you have well, a guy they, like Shaq, Chuck. They get more, uh, yeah. They get more Jalen Rose for, you know, guys like, like that. They, they know what these guys are going through. They've been, you know, pl- they've played at the highest level. Or not Jalen Rose, obviously, not uh, the best, best player in the NBA, but I'm just using him as a NBA analyst example. I mean, uh, these guys have been there. They know what what it takes um, to sense to to be you know at the highest level. Yeah, I was gonna bring up though the point that I'll back up Shaq in this um, sort of uh, area too, just because he's played with uh, two of the three greatest shooting guards of all time. So he knows the dedication of. D-Way, Kobe, uh, and the work that these guys put in and the level that they were at, especially early on in their careers. Uh, Specifically, if you look at Dwayne Wade, who draws comparisons, or Donovan Mitchell draws comparisons to Wade. Uh, So in terms of this specific uh, example um, of this hate, jealousy, whatever you want to call it, um, I could back up Shaq in that sense. Um, I think with Donovan Mitchell, uh, again, you know, the guys riding on a high right now, they're on a seven game win streak. It's just, it's not the right timing. And then 
again, I feel as if there's a better way. Of course, do they want the ratings? They want all that other stuff I talked before. I get it. But there's also better ways to fuel motivation. That's not one of them, in my opinion, especially with the delivery uh, in that post-game interview and, uh, and whatnot. I think that if you look at something like Jamal Murray last, last year in the bubble, uh, I think that's something that fuels motivation. You also don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Uh, Quinn Snyder and his motivation. Mike Conley talked about, um, you know, his partner in crime in the backcourt talked about uh, just the growth he's seen from Donovan Mitchell and that it's too early. He's 24 and uh, there's a lot of room left to grow um, for, you know, for Donovan Mitchell. So. Yeah, no, um, it's, listen, the current players are not going to like it, and, and you kind of see that now and, and when, you know, TNT interviews them after the game, they just don't really give them the time of day, um, but the older players are not going to stop, and, and I think it's just, to me, also goes back to, like, you know, you, you ask different generations, who's the greatest of all time? Um, this generation, you know, our generation is going to say LeBron, even though I differ from that, Um you ask the generation before, you know, right before us, they might say Kobe, the generation before that, they're going to say MJ. You go back, you know, to our grandparents or whatever, they're going to say Bill Russell or Chamberlain. Um, everyone's going to have different opinions. Obviously, the game has changed so much um, since Shaq, even even though Shaq just stopped playing 10 years ago, and obviously Charles, he stopped playing uh, way before that, and him playing in the 80s and 90s. Um, that, you know, it, it's a different game. The players play differently nowadays. You see, you know, obviously back when Shaq and and Charles were playing, um, you know, guys didn't team up together. Everyone kind of went at each other and, and wanted to beat each other. Nowadays, guys are just teaming up left and right, making super teams, uh, a la LeBron James, Kevin Durant, James Harden, uh, so on and so forth, Steph Curry. Um, so it, it, it's a different game um, and a, a lot of different times right now. Um, I want to now get into um, COVID. And the NBA is now postponed, I believe, 17 or 18 games over the past week, week and a half. Uh, COVID hit the NBA right now real hard. The Wizards have not played the past six games. They're scheduled to still play tomorrow night in San Antonio. It'll be their first game since uh, January 11th, which will be two almost two weeks ago, uh, 13 days. It'll be... Um, what do you, I know also the Grizzlies have their next three games postponed. Um, what are your thoughts on the whole COVID situation? And also, you look, I mean, the Wizards now, six games postponed. Who knows when they make those games up? I saw something, it was like, you know, basically they would only have like six practices over like a two-month span and be playing a lot of back-to-backs, a lot of basketball. Um, how much is this going to affect NBA in the long term? Oh, without a doubt, it definitely affects the, the NBA. Uh, the good news is, is that they have that flexibility where they didn't release the second half of the season. And when they do, they can make adjustments. But in my opinion, it's it's easier to get the uh, to get it done right away and to not wait. Um, I know the NBA will. They've always been able to adjust on the fly. And again, it's it's going to take time for for them to make up these games, um, of course. But again, it's just, for me, it's, it's looking at these teams and you have certain teams that are struggling, some because of uh, shorthanded teams. Uh, we mentioned 
teams like the Heat, uh, again, there's plenty of other teams that are just shorthanded. I can go on and on about those. Um, but then there's teams that, as you mentioned, the Wizards, the, uh, the Grizzlies. And we were talking about this um, offline uh, a couple of days ago about just the simple fact that, for example, the Grizzlies are always a borderline playoff team. Um, and right now they're six in the Western Conference, seven and six. Um, and by the way, that just a note real quick, I mean, a lot of these teams, um, I think in both conferences, the top eight seeds, nine seeds are separated by um, three and a half games, which is pretty condensed and very competitive in both those conferences right now. But besides the point, the Grizzlies are always a borderline playoff team. And if you don't, because it reminds me of college, the college football playoff where you have like Ohio State and there, there was that whole debate about are they going to meet the amount of games to qualify for the college football playoff? And they ended up, um, of course, falling short in the, in, the, uh, in the national championship, but they were able to qualify for that. So I think they have to, for the NBA, they have to make up the amount of games. And if they don't, then as a fan, you're kind of like, okay, is my, does my team really deserve to be in the playing game? Because you have seven through, or excuse me, the, uh, yeah, the seven through 10 seeds for the playing games. And if you don't play enough games, then again, you're kind of falling in that range. And again, you may be on the edge of making the playoffs. So it's a very complex scenario that, uh, again, you have to be sure that you can meet the window of time because the NBA is on a schedule, of course, and um, you want to be done in, a, in such a fashion that you're going to be able to, uh, you know, be normal within the next one or two seasons. So um, in terms of the schedule, so it's just, I think it's a very, very uh, complicated um, scenario that the, the NBA has to figure out. But if you're a fan of those teams that, maybe on the edge of the, of the playoffs just because of shorthanded teams or um, like, I don't think teams should be playing with eight players. I don't care if it's three, three guys off the bench. Again, I think if you're, if you're meeting the minimum, I think it's not, I I think you should just postpone the games. I I think it's just that simple. Wait, me and you had, like you said, me and you had this discussion off uh, air or off uh, the podcast a couple of days ago. And to me, where do you draw the line? Because it, it, okay, so you can't play with eight players, but then if they, if a team says, oh, you know, nine or ten, and that happens, people, you're still going to get complaints about it. And also, I think it's so that way that B doesn't have to put. Imagine if it was, um, you know, nine or ten players you had to have. Imagine how many more games would be postponed, um, and, and then you're looking at, you know, the season extended even longer, um, and so on and so forth. They're trying to still get games in while uh, playing and obviously you know it, it might come back to haunt some teams that you know they had to play with eight players for three games and they lost those three games and you know it gets them out of a seating or out of, you know they don't make the playoffs or the playing game because of it but so be it you know that that this is what 2020 21 brings um i think that for the wizards it's going to be challenging you have six games you have to make up who knows when they make those games up if you know Whoever they put, you know, I know the NBA has a week off uh, and they're going to consider it all-star break when there's no all-star festivities in March. After that, you know, 
they just keep playing back-to-backs. And basically, I mean, they're going to be playing games every day uh, to make these games up. But, you know, and traveling and all of that. But I don't know. I mean, I feel bad for the Wizards. Um, I also want to know, you know, no one's really said um, how the outbreak started. Uh, I hope, you know, I think there's six Wizards uh, who are um, in health and safety protocols or basically have the virus. I hope everyone's good and safe and all of that and, and gets back healthy. But there's, um, listen, the NBA is fighting through it. Um, I know they have much stricter protocols now. Basically, if you're not playing, you need to wear a mask on the bench. Um, no, you know, you know, talking with the other team before or after games. Uh, when you're on the road, you stay in your hotel room, except to go to practice and games. Um, you eat in your hotel room, all of this stuff. Um, I don't know. Uh, we keep talking about this, I feel like, every episode because it's, it's kind of taking over the NBA. And it seems like every day now there's a game postponed. Um, let's see, today, I actually don't think any games are postponed today, which so far is good. Yeah, all games are a go today. Um, I don't know. I, I, this is, uh, <laughs> I guess the next question is, is, is there a, uh, um, games aren't as competitive because of it. I mean, you see this year, it's just like, t- you know, every game, every game it seems like there's no real real close games i think you know the other night i know uh nets and bucks on monday night and martin luther king day um, there you know that was a really really good game uh the warriors came back versus the lakers that was another good game but it seems like every night you know it's just teams are getting blown out by 20 30 points and i don't know if that's because of you know guys being out and stuff and teams just not being competitive or what it is, but it just seems like this NBA season, I, I know me and you hyped it up, like it's going to be one of the more competitive NBA seasons, but I think COVID and injuries and stuff have really, you know, taken teams out of the picture um, that we thought would be uh, contending. Yeah, well, one of the reasons for that is not only you have teams that are simply just don't have enough players to to make a game look competitive, but also um, you just have, again, it's just, you have teams that are just struggling to, uh, you have the, uh, you know, you have injuries, like you said, uh, just so many different factors that, that play into uh, these games. And uh, it's just a, it's a really bad time for, um, for the competitiveness, I say that, and the the conferences are really competitive. But you have teams that are just dropping uh, games early in the season. Um, you have again the the top teams of the Clippers, Lakers um, in the Eastern Conference. You have the Sixers. You know those teams have four or five losses, um, and those are your top seeds. Um, and then you look down, and just the Heat and the Raptors are struggling. You have. Um, you know, teams like the Nuggets, um, the Mavericks, certain teams like that that are just dropping the standings um, because of these um, different factors. So uh, I think that among anything else, um, the NBA really has to get their – really really has a job ahead of them, like a big um, job. And we've seen that with the bubble, the way they handled that. But, uh, again, I, I think – this NBA season is a lot different. Even we talked about last year, just how unorthodox that was. Um, And looking at this season, I I think next season 
might be the season where we look at and might be the most interesting season um, in terms of competitiveness. But this NBA season, uh, it's hard to gauge certain teams just because guys um, are out. And that's pretty much it. I mean, you can't really uh, look at it from a competitive standpoint um, in, in a different or in any other way you would want to look at it. Um, and I think it's just that simple. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking at the standings here, and it's just like a team, for instance, the Heat, um, their best player, Jimmy Butler, hasn't played, you know, he's only played, I think, five or six games out of their 14 games. Um, the Raptors struggling, but I uh, I know they've had a, not as many issues. The Wizards really struggling. Obviously, we talked about them. Um, the Trailblazers dealing with a whole bunch of injuries. Um CJ McCollum is out, I think, four to six weeks with a uh, broken foot. Um, I know uh, who's uh, Nurkic um, is out again. He seems like he can never stay healthy. But, you know, uh, sadly, I know Zach Collins hasn't played the season. He, he's been injured now for what seems like four or five years. Um, who else? Who else? I mean, there, there's teams all over that just uh, even Houston. Um, I know I was kind of excited about seeing Victor Oladipo, John Wall, Boogie Cousins. John Wall's now, he's been out the past couple games with injury. Um, You know, you have guys out with COVID, this, that, third. Um, It's just, you know, right now COVID and and injuries are taking over the NBA. And I hope soon enough um, everyone can get back healthy and we can get a a good season because, uh, you know, even like you said, I mean, I'm looking here. Let's see. um, In the West, the four, the four seed at, with through the fourteenth seed are separated by three games, um, and out east, I'm looking and let's see the two seed through the thirteenth seed are separated by three games. So that's how close everything is right now. Um, Philly has kind of separated themselves in the east. I mean, they're only actually one and a half games up on on uh, the Pacers, who are the two seed. And then out west, it's really just, um, like I said earlier, the Clippers, Lakers, and Jazz who have separated themselves uh, out west. I think, you know, disappointing teams, like I mentioned earlier, the Heat, Toronto. Um, you look at Dallas out west, hasn't performed up to ex- expectation. Denver hasn't performed up to expectation. Um, so, yeah, I mean, hopefully soon enough everyone can get back healthy. We can have a good season and, and hopefully come playoff time. You know, it's not affected by early season struggles that these teams have had because, you know, it's not in their control what is going on due to um, COVID and guys having to be out. Um, one last topic before we get out of here. Kevin Porter Jr. Um, has been 2019 first round pick by the Cleveland Cavaliers, got traded the other day to the Houston Rockets um, for a conditional second round pick. Basically, he Went for free. The Rockets got him for free. Um, he's had a lot of issues in Cleveland. I think the last draw was the other day um, when the Tarian Prince came in. They gave him uh, Kevin Porter Jr.'s locker, and he kind of threw a temper tantrum and started throwing food. Um, and basically the Cavs said, you're dismissed. Don't come back, and we'll either release you and trade you. They ended up trading him. Um, what did you think about that? And do you think he can concede with the Rockets and get his career? I mean, obviously he's only been in the league a year. He hasn't even played this season. Um, or, yeah, I don't even think he's played this season. I mean, he's, yeah. Um, so you think he can get his career back on track because he's a really, really talented player. And I think even in the draft in 2019, he was supposed to go a lot higher and he ended up falling to the late first round because of character issues. 
Yeah, I think that I was going to bring up the draft, too, that he was projected to be a lottery pick. I know a lot of teams wanted him just because of his raw athletic talent, um, good defender. I think that he just has a lot um, of what you want in this league. And um, again, as you said, personal issues kind of prevented that from from him going any higher. Um, and I think that the Cavs getting him at, at 30 was a big steal. I think they did a not so good job. I think the Cavs have had a lot of good decisions and have, uh, have really had guys that have stepped up. And we talked about Sexton earlier. You have Garland, uh, Isaac Okoro, who they just drafted this past draft, um, which was a good pickup for them. Um, and you just acquired Jared Allen. So you have all these guys that are 22 and younger uh, that have very good futures ahead of them. And Kevin Porter is one of those guys. Uh, I think they did. I think Kobe Altman kind of did a uh, kind of just didn't make the right move in this one. I think they forgiving. I think a lot of teams would say, hey, if we're going to get uh, Kevin Porter, Porter Jr. for just giving up a second round pick that's top 55 protected. We do that in a heartbeat. So I think for the Rockets, this is a W. Uh, I think that they got a W for James Harden just because they they got rid of the problem. Um, and I, I think they didn't get the, the best offer, which is why I label them uh, the loser in that trade. But Again, everyone kind of won in that trade. Um, but if I had to pick a loser, it would it would have been them, and it was them. Um, so with Kevin Porter Jr., I think he gets his his career back on track. I think, Hopefully. again, going back, yeah, I, I think going back to the again, he's had several instances. I think even in college, he had problems. Um, but yeah. but again, you you don't really give up on a player. He's twenty years old. Like it's not like we're talking about a thirty year old vet here. Or, whatever it may be. I mean, he's 20 years old, still is light years ahead of him in terms of this league uh, and his career. Well, I, I think that, well, I, I he, think that again, he, here's the I, question is, yeah, I mean, again, again, it's, he's on the right track with Houston just because they're, they're kind of going to be merging into a rebuild. I feel like, and also they're taking chances on like guys that are either, either injured or whatever. I, I don't, I feel like the issue here is, is can he get his life right? Um, mentally and, and, and be stable um, because to me it's not about getting opportunities. I mean, he would have got an opportunity in Cleveland. I think Cleveland, especially now, um, they feel like they can you know make the playoffs or be in that playing game. I mean, they could really use him, um, his scoring and everything. You know, mm -hmm. can he you know not have incidents on and off the court uh, and and disrupt the locker room? I mean, Houston, I, I think it's it's a it's a um, high risk no high reward low risk kind of situation in a sense but at the other you know he can really mess up the locker room and, and you know they just got James Harden out of there who it seems like the guys weren't getting along with obviously James had other things on his mind that he want you know he kind of was doing everything on purpose what he was doing but I think that for him you know can the Rockets get him the help he needs um and and keep him you know under control I think guys like John Wall Boogie Cousins even Victor Oladipo probably need it, and PJ Tucker just put you know take him under their wing and say hey you know let, let you know you're gonna ride with us and and hopefully like you said you know the Rockets they're in a weird situation where they have you know some good vets on the team and I think they could even possibly get into the play-in game 
um, if, you know, they get healthy and everything and play, start playing good basketball, that um, he can help them. And hopefully, you know, he gets on the court soon because I think, you know, he, like you said, and like I said, you know, he was supposed to be a lottery pick. And I think he has a lot, a lot of talent that um, if he, he gets everything right, the Rockets might come away in this trade with a, uh, a, few, a really, really good player in the future. And uh, I hope, it, you know, everything gets right with him. Yeah, I, I would say to to your response, I mean, so what? Who cares? I mean, you take a risk on a guy who's 20 years old. And again, he's it's not like he's and I say this in a joking manner. He's he's coming in to take a locker. He's not he's not having to deal with someone that's that's <laughs> coming in and taking his. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, again, it can well, only it can only go out. The, the first thing that that was uh, brought into well, my mind when I heard of this trade was just. Not only that the the Rockets finessed in this and got again a guy that has you know all the talent in the world and you got him for a, a top fifty five protected second rounder, but also that there's a lot of strong personalities in that locker room now with Boogie Cousins. You have even PJ Tucker had some some fuss and wasn't on the the right um, the right page with everyone with the James Harden stuff. I don't know if that's uh, rumors, yeah, if that's, that's factual, bit, whatever it was. But, but this is this is my real question is I think in my opinion this is his last chance in NBA. I think if Kevin Porter can't get it right here, um, I don't know how. You, even though he's twenty years old, I listen. <laughs> NBA is a business, and 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 you know they're not going to pay this dude, and they're not going to they're not here to babysit in the NBA. You know they're here to get it right um, and, and win basketball games and, and make money. Um, that I, I don't know if even the players on the team want to deal with someone like, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. and, and try to get him right if he's not going to listen. And, and who knows, you know, maybe it was just Cleveland and uh, the situation there. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know the reasoning for, again, I, I can't speak for him. So, uh, and with the throwing food around and making a big fuss over a locker, um, again, I guess you just got to be careful with who you trade for with the with the Rockets now. I I, I don't know uh, the answer to that, but uh, again. I, I think it's more a Kevin Porter Jr. issue than it is a Rocket. I think it's both their issues now. I think you know, yeah, I, I have to agree. Like you said, I think listen, they're take you know, they're taking a risk on the guy that you know the reward can be really really high. I mean, he can become an awesome. Who knows what he could become? Um, but at the same time, you know, I think a lot is on him now to be like, hey, let me buckle down. Uh, new opportunity, new change of scenery, and and some guys need that. They just need uh, new surroundings and, and a new team, and and they can really get right. Right, and hopefully, you know, I I hope that's what happens because, like I keep saying, you know, he has so much talent, talent, and um, I'm rooting for him. Yeah, I think this Houston Rockets team they're struggling without James Harden, but on paper they have a good starting five. Like having uh, John Wall. P.J. Tucker, Christian Wood, DeMarcus Cousins, and then uh, I'm trying to think who plays there, too. Victor Oladipo. Um, oh, Victor Oladipo. How could I forget? Um, so, again, I, I think that they have a very great uh, starting lineup on paper, uh, and I think he'll mesh in there well. Again, I think Houston has nothing to lose. So if anyone was to take a, a risk on uh, this type of player, this caliber of a young talent, um, it's Houston because again, you're, you're balancing out your options and 
whether that's through free agency trades, again, you're, you have some flexibility there in, in terms of they're not going to, we we've seen Houston and you, you acquire uh, Kevin Porter jr. Thinking, Oh, it's, it's going to be a rebuild. And I think I might've said that earlier, but in reality, Houston has never been the one to, to try and rebuild. They've always tried to stay competitive. So we'll see. Uh, and I like the word retool. They're trying to retool. I think retool, retool, get better on the fly, mix and mix and match the vets and the, and the young guys. So, um, again, I think any team would have been, uh, would have been right for this trade. Again, you're giving up a second rounder. So what? And ironically, Houston just dealt with, uh, another nightmare in James Harden before he got traded. So, uh, maybe this is more of a, a smaller, uh, version of that. Yeah. And and obviously I, he's not as talented yeah. as James Harden is, but yeah, I yeah. think, uh, hopefully everything works out good. Uh, I'm, I want to see him get some playing time. And, and I think uh, when he's on the court, you know, he can be really productive and stuff. So uh, hopefully everything gets right. Um, I think that'll do it. Uh, I do want to say um, uh, thoughts and prayers with the family of Hank Aaron, a uh, legend, base, obviously baseball player. Um, in my book, he's the career home run leader. I know Barry Bonds technically is, but I don't really count that. I think Hank Aaron, 755 home runs over 3,000 hits in his career, I think, you know, maybe a top five player of all time in baseball. Um, he passed away yesterday. Thoughts and prayers with him. Rest in peace. Um, and just a, a, a legend, um, uh, not only in baseball, but just in life and everything he's accomplished. Yeah, and definitely um, one of those guys that uh, was really a, uh, I guess, one of the big pioneers, especially when you talk about um, – you know, uh, black Civil players and all and, of that. Yeah. You know, all that Especially stuff, in baseball so. and stuff after Jackie Robinson, I think it's, uh, Hank Aaron and, and uh, everything he went through from growing up in the South and everything. So, uh, prayers up to his family, rest in peace. Um, yeah, rip. but where can they find us on social media, Jake? Uh, and where can they listen to the podcast on others? If they, obviously you're listening to it right now, but besides where you're listening to right now, where else can they listen? Yeah, so if you guys want to check us out, we're on all three streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Pods, and the Anchor app. Peace out. Peace.